Well, hello there, everyone. Welcome to Walking with God in the Storm podcast. I'm your host, Dwayne Harold. I would first like to thank the kind people at Stowtown Records for allowing me to use the intro song, which is titled After the Storm. This song is sung by the Irwins, who have won a Dove Award, and they've also been nominated for a Grammy. This song can be streamed and downloaded at all digital outlets. If you would like to listen to more of their great songs, I will have a link in this podcast that will take you to their project called Wait and See. Well, I'm so glad to have as my special guest today, Clay Nichols. He's the assistant pastor at Apostolic Faith Chapel in Wisner, Louisiana. And this is a great church with good, loving people and a great pastor. And the pastor is Pastor James Harris. Clay, I'm so glad to have you with me today, and welcome to Walking with God in the Storm podcast. How are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing well. It's good to be with you too, brother. Uh, I appreciate uh, you inviting me to be here to to be able to share with you tonight. Well, I appreciate you taking the time out to uh, be with me and to uh, give us some good words of encouragement and everything. So I guess we'll just kind of get right started into it and you don't mind just uh if you don't mind please give us uh, a little bit of information about yourself like you know where you were born and raised okay um i'm from winsboro louisiana been uh been here all my life a little small town in northeast louisiana um was raised um, this apostolic one god apostolic truth uh, my pastor for the majority of my life was bishop wayne smith at uh, victory apostolic church uh, I married a little girl out of Bishop Harris's church here at AFC and uh, felt like God was calling me to uh, to join a wife at AFC. Came here, became youth pastor, uh, served as youth pastor for about 12 years and uh, a little bit longer than that, probably around 13 years. And uh, then uh, was elected as assistant pastor. I served under a great man of God, Brother James Harris. Yes, you do. Uh, uh, I, I we're just blessed at Gilbert. We're just truly blessed. That's right. Well, I mean, with you not being raised in that church, how did uh, you and your wife actually meet? We actually met uh, through Brother Curtis Harris and Sister Christy Harris. Uh, I was working with Sister Christy Harris at the time. Uh, we were working at a hospice together uh, as nurses, and uh, she told me that she had a little girl that she wanted to uh, set me up with, and it took, it took me a little while to, because I'm not crazy about blind dates, but yeah. it took me a little while to agree to it, but uh, but uh, she set us up, and, and uh, it's everything's history after that. Yeah, really. Well, apparently she did a good job, that's for sure. Uh, how long did uh, you date her before you kind of said to yourself, hey, you know, uh, this girl's a keeper. I, I think I want to marry her. It didn't take long. I, I'm not a believer in love at first sight, uh, but uh, it, it didn't take long. We met in October of 2007. We went on our first date uh, at the end of that month, and I proposed to her Easter Sunday of 2008. So it didn't take but just a few months before I realized that this was the one that God had in store for me. Yeah, and God will definitely let us know that kind of information, too. We will just allow him to uh, lead us and guide us in that area. So y'all been married how long now, and how many children do you have? Fifteen years, and uh, we have two beautiful little girls. That's awesome. Um, And you've kind of already answered it in a roundabout way. 
What kind of work do you do? You said something about uh, hospice. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm a nurse. Uh, actually, I'm a nurse practitioner. I work in a family practice clinic. Uh, I've been doing that for 15 years. Uh, I've been a nurse for 24 years. Uh, but uh, for the last 15, I've been a nurse practitioner in a family practice clinic. Okay. All right. Well, so as a nurse, then, you, you know about a kind of a wide variety of diseases and and some of their symptoms. And I believe that sometime last year, the summer of 2023, you started feeling as though something just really wasn't right in your body. Something wasn't, you just didn't feel like yourself. So would you mind letting everybody know what or, or how you were feeling? In uh, August of, of uh, last year, I got what I thought was a stomach virus. Uh, I, I was just very sick. Uh, I couldn't eat. Uh, I was just having a lot of nausea, a lot of vomiting, a lot of uh, just abdominal cramps, uh, belly pains. This went on for about seven days. And after, after a couple of days, I realized that it probably wasn't just a virus. Uh, I thought maybe I'd picked up a bacterial infection on the tail end of the virus. And, and uh, I'm not... I'm not a real good patient. I'm a good nurse practitioner, but I'm not a real good patient. So I let it go a little bit longer than I should. And finally, I, I talked to the doctor that I worked for and said, I said, Doc, something just ain't right. And uh, he examined me and told me that I needed to go uh, to the hospital and have some tests done. So I went and had a CAT scan done. Uh, uh, and uh, the CAT scan, it, it just, it's just like God. Uh, when I had the CAT scan done, uh, the problem that I was having, everything was fine. There was no problem with my stomach. There was no problem with my intestines. Everything there was normal. But uh, they found a mass on my right kidney uh, when they did the CAT scan. And uh, after they found that mass, it was almost like God said, okay, I made you sick so that you would find this. And the second I got up off the uh, CT table, I had no more nausea, no more vomiting, the abdominal pain left. It was uh, it was just a God thing. Yeah, definitely. Um, it, it, to me, it never ceases to amaze me how God does certain things to get us to a particular area or to see something else that we are not aware of or, or whatever. So after you had the CT scan and it, it showed uh, a mass, what did uh, your doctor suggest that he wanted you to do next and why? The first CT scan was, uh, was done without contrast, so it was kind of inconclusive. Uh, the mass had two parts. The first part looked like a cyst. Uh, the lower part looked like a solid lesion. The radiologist who read the CAT scan, he suggested having an ultrasound done. So a week later, I went and had an ultrasound done, uh, just like the radiologist recommended. And when I was laying there on the ultrasound table, uh, one of the the ultrasound techs, she said, yeah, this first, first lesion, it does look like a cyst. I think everything's going to be okay. And that took her just a couple of minutes. Well, after about 15 minutes of turning and, and her poking and, and, and prodding and doing everything she had to do to get the ultrasound, the second mass, I finally just said, I take it the second mass is not a cyst. 
And uh, she said, no, it's not. And uh, the radiologist, he uh, sent the report back to my office, and he said that it was highly suspicious for a cancer, and I needed to have another CAT scan done, this time with IV contrast. So I went the very next day and had a CT done with IV contrast, and uh, it came back uh, as highly suspicious for a renal cell carcinoma. Um, at this point, the doctor that I worked for, he said, we need to see a urologist and we need to have this, this taken care of. Um, I was not, uh, I was not, you know, sure about what to do. The doctor I wanted to see didn't do surgeries anymore. The doctor I worked for, he, uh, wanted me to go to MD Anderson, but I ended up seeing the doctor locally. Uh, for the final diagnosis, for the definitive diagnosis, though. Okay. And what was that diagnosis uh, at that time? At that time, it was just highly probable for uh, a malignancy. The uh, the doctor I saw locally, he wanted to do a biopsy. And uh, we did the biopsy, and it came back positive for clear cell renal cell carcinoma. It's... Uh, a very common type of, of kidney cancer. It's also a very aggressive type of kidney cancer. Uh, it, uh, it's got a high mortality rate if it goes untreated. Uh, it's, it's, a very, uh, it's a very nasty type of cancer. Uh, my dad's brother, my uncle, he was diagnosed, I'm 46 years old, he was diagnosed at 48 with the exact same type of cancer, and he passed away at the age of 55. Mm, goodness. That, that, that was something that, that, uh, that weighed on me, uh, I, can, I can assure you. Yeah, uh, especially like you just said, with a, a family member already having gone through it and everything, plus you being... Uh, in the medical field, a uh, nurse practitioner, you you know what can and can happen. And, and again, that's kind of, you know, like you said earlier, if you had not gotten nauseous and, and feeling kind of sick, throwing up kind of stuff, what would be, I'm trying to think of the right words, if you hadn't gone for that, how long before do you think or know uh, symptoms might would have appeared to say, hey, you've got cancer or at least something is a major wrong? Renal cell carcinoma is called a silent killer. Usually by the time symptoms develop, uh, the first symptom that you usually have is uh, hematuria, which is blood in your urine. Uh, the second symptom that you have is sometimes lower back pain. But by the time you start to manifest symptoms, the prognosis is, is pretty poor because by the time you start to have the symptoms, it is usually metastasized to someplace else. And this, this type of cancer is very aggressive and it's very hard to treat. It doesn't respond well to chemotherapy or radiation. So uh, it's a very hard cancer to treat. So once it starts to spread, uh, survival chances are, are very, very low. Okay, and when you say spread, you're talking about uh, other organs around the kidney. 
Yes, sir. Other organs. Uh, this type of cancer likes to spread to the lungs. It goes to the lungs, uh, then it goes to the bones, then it goes to the liver, then it goes to the brain, and then it goes to the other internal organs. Uh, is typically how we, we see it progress. Uh, according to the doctors at MD Anderson, probably 10 years if I hadn't caught it uh, and hadn't found it as early as I did, probably a 10-year lifespan and by the time I turned 56 um, I would probably be making preparations for my funeral oh. and God, yeah Go ahead. but God but God brother but God yes that's all I can say definitely that's for sure there so after all of these tests were uh, concluded performed and done everything what was your recommendation? I think he said something about uh, going to MD Anderson, or was that you wanting a second opinion? That that was me wanting a second opinion. Uh, the doctor that I saw locally, we didn't see eye to eye. We didn't agree on a treatment plan. Uh, his plan was just to wait and see what happens. Uh, I, I didn't like that, so I told him no. His second treatment option was to had the lesion frozen, uh, and I said, no, uh, I said, I want it removed. Uh, I, I don't want a cancer growing in me. I want it removed. He didn't want to remove it, so I told him I wanted a second opinion. And at that point, uh, I uh, contacted MD Anderson in Houston, Texas, and uh, I saw uh, one of the greatest urologists. He, he is in the top uh, top tier uh, in the world as far as urology I and mean, this type of cancer. Uh, I saw him the 1st of October, and he scheduled me to have surgery to have the cancer and part of my kidney removed November 1st. Okay. And um, let's back up just a little bit because uh, not being medically inclined, I don't know. What, I mean, you said that the, the local doctor wanted to freeze it. What would that have done? Basically, there's there's always new procedures. There's always new ways to treat cancers, and cryotherapy is one of the newer uh, newer treatment modalities that they're trying. Basically, what you do is you go in with a needle and you uh, you inject the cancer with liquid nitrogen, and it basically freezes the cancer. And in theory, it kills the cancer. Uh, there is uh, a lot of success rate with this, uh, but there's also a good chance of a recurrence. And the survival rate at 10 years was only like 60%. And 60% to me was not not very good odds. Uh, when I got to Houston and I talked to the doctor in Houston, he told me, he said, Clay, I'm glad that you came here because we don't have a cyst and then a cancer, he said, it's all one cancer. So my cancer doubled in size from what I originally thought it was. Yeah. Uh, but uh, he said, these two lesions are connected. And he said, if he would have frozen the solid lesion, this one would have just kept growing. And he said, I can't guarantee that it wouldn't have spread. So uh, I, I thank God that he, he directed my steps and, and I got... Uh, I got to Houston where where I believe that God just, he just took good care of me. Oh, definitely. 
it sounds like he's he had his hand over you the entire time just by I mean, you don't want to feel sick and nauseous because that's within itself is a bad feeling being nauseous. But if God had not allowed you to feel that, who knows how long, like you were talking about before you would have uh, discovered it. So did MD Anderson run their own test or anything like that? Or we, we did a lot of tests. We did a lot of, uh, we did a lot of x-rays, a lot of blood work. They didn't, because I already had a positive tissue diagnosis, I didn't have to have another biopsy. Uh, the CAT scan that I had done uh, at uh, the local hospital was, was high quality, and they didn't need to repeat it, but they did. They they did tons of blood work. We did more x-rays, chest x-rays. We did uh, abdominal x-rays. We did, we did just a lot of other tests like that. But I didn't have to have any more biopsies or anything because I already had a positive tissue diagnosis. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and I, I know the other night at a church when you was preaching, you made the comment about uh, the way they do the biopsy is painful. I can relate somewhat because I've had to have a liver biopsy, and it is definitely no fun. That's for sure. Yes, it's. Uh, I'm not a big fan of pain. Yeah, I don't think anybody is, but uh, but they they took real good care of me. Uh, the biopsy was not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Um, I told my wife whenever we started this, I said, you know, I'm not afraid of the outcome because no matter what. You know, I'm okay. I'm gonna. I'm a winner no matter what. I said if this comes back positive for cancer, it's gonna be okay because God's gonna heal me. If God doesn't heal me, and I have to have surgery to be healed, I still win. I win if God heals me. I win if I have to have surgery to have the cancer removed. I still win. And then even if He doesn't heal me, He chooses not to heal me, and He brings me home. I'm a winner. I feel like Paul, you know, uh, to live is Christ, to die is gain. There was no way that I lost in this at this thing. Yeah. And my wife, my wife didn't like that. Uh, it it didn't bring her much comfort, but I just knew from the very beginning that that no matter what, I was going to come out a winner out of this. Oh, definitely. So they recommended, and you were in agreement then uh, to go ahead and and remove the. Uh, the kidney and it was the one on the right side correct i think you said yes sir it was my right kidney yeah uh, when i went in to have the kidney removed uh dr mateen told me he said um i don't want to remove the entire kidney he said the uh the cancer is is localized to the lower part of the kidney he said i'm only going to probably remove half of it he said, I want to preserve some kidney function, uh, so I don't want to remove the whole kidney. I want to leave you as much functioning kidney as we can. And at first, I wasn't excited about that, but the more I studied it and researched it, I said, yeah, I, 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 think, I, I think I want to do this. And I was going into surgery prepared to lose half of my kidney. And after surgery, he only had to remove 20% of my kidney to remove all of the cancer. That's awesome. That's just like God, ain't it? Yes, it is, for sure. Well, let me ask you this, because I, I haven't checked. We're human, even though we have a lot of faith in God, uh, most of us do anyway. When you heard the word cancer, what was your initial thought process, your thinking about that word? It's... Uh, 
it floored me uh, because I didn't go get a CAT scan because I thought I had cancer. I went because I just, I was throwing up and couldn't stop. I was expecting a bowel obstruction or, or something like that. Cancer never crossed my mind. Uh, so when they, when they threw out the word cancer, it, it just, it floored me. Uh, it was hard at first because, um, I've got a wife and I've got two small children. Yeah. Uh, uh, I told many people, I told a lot of my patients when they would ask me, I said, I'm not afraid to die because, you know, like I said, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain, but I'm not ready to die just yet. Uh, I want to walk my daughters down the aisle. I want to see them get married. I want to yeah. see them graduate from high school. I want. There's a lot of things I want to do. I'm not ready to leave my wife and, and my daughters just yet. And that was the that was the thing that scared me more than anything. Uh, I was wasn't scared of the diagnosis. I wasn't scared of of the process. I wasn't scared of any of that. It was. I, I just I didn't want to leave my children. I didn't want to leave my wife. Uh, that, that was the part that scared me is that I might not be able to, to, uh, spend the rest of my life with them. Yeah. Uh, and that's definitely, uh, to the human is a scary thought, whether you're typically living for God or not. I mean, if, if you marry and have kids, you don't want them to suffer through the pain of losing you so to speak yes. and like you said not being able to see your daughters grow up and have a little control over who they date or don't date you know and they're all fine yeah for sure well let me ask you this um again because of being human did you ever question god and ask him why he even allowed you to have cancer and if you didn't why did you not question him? I didn't question God. Uh, it just, throughout the whole whole ordeal, uh, I just, I had peace that everything was going to be okay. Uh, I'm not going to say that I wondered why. I never questioned why, but my wife did. You know, she she wanted to know why. Uh, I mean, I, I, I've devoted my life to God. Uh, our entire lives are, are, are enveloped in the ministry. Uh, and she, we had some very real conversations uh, late at night. And she, she said, yeah, I have questioned God. Why? Uh, why is this happening to us? Why is this happening to you? Why not somebody who doesn't care about God? Why, why not somebody who's a bad person? Why couldn't this happen to them? But the reason why I feel like God allowed this to happen to me and the reason why I never questioned him why is because I knew that I was going to be okay and what a testimony this could be for somebody else. Yes. You know, I knew that God was going to touch me and God was going to bless me. And I knew that I could bless somebody else by letting them see what kind of miracle God would perform through me. God can do the same thing for them. That's right. Yeah, I know... Uh... When I was going through my uh, wanting on my liver and kidney transplant, I I had a piece about everything myself. I I don't know why. I can't explain it uh, because it definitely was not peace that somebody had given me, but it was only the peace of God 
that he gave me to see me through because I never doubted either that yeah. something was not going to work out. I knew God was going to take care of me one way or the other, kind of like what you were saying a while ago. And, you know, I just, it's just one of those things when God gives you peace, you, unless you've had that peace of God, it's hard to explain it and tell it to other people and make them understand why you're not screaming out, you know. Oh, uh, you know, God is just, I believe he gives us peace and he gives us strength uh, according to what we need at the time. Uh, I'm not going to lie and say that, that there weren't times when I was fearful. Yes. Um, I'm not going to lie and say that there weren't times when uh, when I just, I, I was just afraid. Uh, right before surgery, the day before surgery, I went in and my blood pressure was 110 over 70. The day of surgery, I didn't go back into surgery until after one o'clock and anesthesia came in and asked me why my blood pressure was so high because it was 190 over 110. And I said, man, don't you realize what y'all are fisting to do to me? Uh, but, you know, there, there's, I'm not going to lie and say that I wasn't afraid because I was. It's, it's human nature to be afraid of the unknown. But there was never a time that I doubted that, that I was in God's hands. Uh, I've got a wonderful church family, and I've got wonderful friends yeah. uh, just like you uh, that, that prayed uh, for me. And I could feel those prayers. I had a prayer cloth when I went in that the church had anointed, and I could feel the prayers of my church family uh, the day of surgery. Uh, and I just, God gave me peace to let me know that no matter what, He was with me. He was with me before I had cancer. He was with me while I had cancer. He was with me in the operating room, and He was with me after I was declared cancer-free. Uh, he, he, he never left me. He was always right there by my side. And there were times when I didn't know if I could go on. He carried me. Um, that's just the kind of God we serve. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm not, and I hope you miss Don't misunderstand me what I'm about to say now. Um, cause some people ask me, you know, why you are with a liver, kidney, with all the problems you've had. And, and all, all I could really respond with, hey, that is life. Life just happens. I mean, the scripture, and I'm, and I'm paraphrasing, it talks about it rains on the just and on the unjust. And what that means is good things happen to really bad people and really bad things happen to really good people. I mean, that's life. We have no control over life. Yeah. We live in a fallen world. From the time that Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, uh, sickness came into this world, and sickness attacks everyone. Uh, you know, we're all going to die, some of us sooner than others. The question is, what are you going to do with your life? Yeah. And, you know, I knew that no matter what, that, that I love God. I was baptized with the gift of the Holy Ghost at 11 years old. I was baptized in Jesus' name at 11 years old. Uh, I knew... You know, I knew where I was going. Uh, you know, I, I, I didn't, I didn't get mad at God. I didn't question God. I just knew that, that this happened, uh, and I wanted God to take care of it. Uh, my wife has a saying that she, she loves. She, she borrowed this from Brother uh, Steve Wilson after his son Patrick passed away. He, he quoted. Uh, she quotes him all the time. He said, "It's going to be okay in the end. Yeah. If it's not okay, it's not the end." 
And that's what she kept saying. She kept telling me, she said, everything's going to be okay. And if it's not okay, it's not the end. But everything is going to be okay in the end. And I truly believe that because, you know, God is the author and the finisher of our faith. And if I didn't have faith that God was going to bring me through this, how could I have faith in my salvation? If I didn't believe that God was going to do what he said he would do, I, I chose to believe in God's word. The word tells us by his stripes we are healed. The word tells us, is there any sick among you? Let him call on the elders of the church and let them anoint him with oil and lay hands on him and the prayer of faith will save the sick. I chose to believe those scriptures and, and you know, God has never let me down. I failed God many times, but God has never failed me yet. And I just chose to believe that, that God is, is going to bring me through this. Yeah, God has never failed anybody. Uh, like you said, we have failed him many times, but he hasn't. He's true to his word. He's bound by his word. He must obey his own word. He's not a liar. So, yeah, you know, God is just, he just blows my mind, uh, the things that he does for his children. Yes, sir. Now, three nights ago, I guess it was, uh, this past Sunday night anyway, uh, you preached at our church, and it was an awesome message, by the way. Uh, but you made a statement uh, to the effect uh, that your cancer has made you change your outlook on life. Would you mind just telling everybody, letting us know what you meant by that statement? Life is just a vapor. And until you get a diagnosis um, like cancer, until you, you come face to face with your mortality, you really don't understand how fleeting life is. And whenever I was told that I have cancer and I began to, because I, I'm a, I'm a expert now on renal cell carcinoma. I studied and I read every, every journal article. I read everything I could find on this type of cancer. And it made me realize that, uh, I'm put here for a purpose. And did yeah. I fulfill my purpose in my 46 years? Did I do what God had called me to do in those 46 years? So it gave me a new outlook on life to make sure that I am the witness that I'm supposed to be. I don't go a day without telling somebody about Jesus. I don't go a day without telling somebody, you know, look, Jesus loves you. Uh, there, there's not a day that goes by that I don't talk to my patients and, and tell them how good God is. There's not a day that goes by that, that, uh, that I waste anymore. Uh, you know, we're all, we're, we're, we're bad about wasting time. Yeah. Uh, it seems, seems like we griped about never having enough time, but we, we waste a lot of time, but I made up my mind that no matter what, I'm not going to waste an opportunity to share the gospel with someone because, that that's that's what that's what God put us here to do, and that's that's what He called me to do when He called me to preach, and I don't want to miss another opportunity. And that opened my eyes that that I have to be willing to to witness anywhere and everywhere because we may not get a second chance because we're not promised tomorrow, and I want to make sure that I'm the most effective witness that I can be, and that that's how that's how my outlook on life has changed. I don't want to waste another day. Uh, I want to, I want to spend every day telling somebody about the goodness of God. Yeah. And that, and that is so true and very, very good words for sure. Okay. Here at the 
the closing of our podcast, uh, do you have any words of encouragement that you know you would like to say to those of our listeners who may have recently been advised or been diagnosed with cancer somewhere in their body, or it may have been a maybe a family member or a friend of theirs that's been diagnosed? So, do you have any words of to encourage them to try to uplift them? Cancer scary. Uh, any diagnosis, any terminal diagnosis is is very very scary. Uh, just the word cancer sends shivers down most people's spines. Uh, heart disease, diabetes, uh, any kind of respiratory uh, condition, COPD, emphysema, all these things, congestive heart failure, all of these end stage uh, diseases can be scary, but. If you're going through a sickness, if you're going through an illness, I want you to remember, if you don't remember anything else that we talked about, I want you to remember this. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he did for one person, he can do for you. That's right. God will no respect of person. If God can heal a rich like me, God can heal you. Um, we have to stand on his word. Like I said before, we have to stand on his word and stand on the promises of God. By his stripes, we are healed. And just know that God is still a healer. God is still on the throne. And God is still well able to supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. And just don't give up. Just don't, don't lose faith. Um, the answer may not come the way we want it, but don't give up on God. That's true. That is so good. Well, Clay, I, I really do appreciate you taking the time out from your busy schedule because I know you, you're busy between work and, like earlier tonight, Bible studies and then church and everything. But I do appreciate it, and I know that it has been an encouragement to everyone that's listening to the podcast. And whether they have any type of cancer or not really makes any difference, just your your words that you spoke and everything to let her know that God will be with them every step of their journey in this life. And I, I pray that God will continue to keep his hand upon you, your ministry, and your precious family. So I appreciate you being with me today. Yes, sir, brother. We love y'all. I love you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, it's my desire that today's podcast is encouraged and uplifted to those that may have recently been advised that they also have some type of cancer or maybe a family member that's been recently diagnosed with a type of cancer. I'm sure that there are people listening to this podcast who may be struggling within themselves, maybe that even maybe even have some fear of what their future and their family's future may hold for them with the aftermath of hearing those terrible words from a doctor saying, I'm sorry, but you have cancer. I just want to remind each and every one of you that God is always there for us, no matter what our disease may be. Whether God heals us or not, he will never leave our side, and he will see us through our storm to the other side. In John 14:18, Jesus said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. And I pray that not only will our Lord and Savior give you the comfort that only He can give you, but that His peace will also be in your heart. 
May the good Lord keep his hand of protection upon each and every one of you. May he bless you and see you here next time, right here on Walking with God in the Storm podcast. Joy.